You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Philip. And today we are joined by a very uncommon individual and an old friend of mine. His name is RJ Sumrall. He is the founder of Sumrall Coaching, which is an organization seeking to help educators and coaches connect, motivate, and mobilize their students and athletes in the pursuit of achieving greatness, or as we would say, uncommonness. Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ is a husband and father, most importantly, a man of God. So make some noise if you're listening in your car for RJ Sumrall. Welcome to the show, RJ. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Did I leave anything out of your bio that uh, would be vital for the people to know? You already said I love Jesus, so yep. that, yeah. that was number one. Yeah. I have children, four of them, and they're yeah. wild. Tips <laughs> uh, <laughs> off the old block, I take it? Yes, it is my fault, 100%. 100% my fault. <laughs> Oh, man, that's that's awesome. Funny story. I've actually asked RJ to be like, hey, let's be on the flag football team. And he's like, dude, this body doesn't perform like it used to. In no, no way. In no. No way. Far, far cry since your uh, cyclone football days. Yes, very far. If I I don't know the last time I sprinted. And I'm afraid if I sprint, my body gonna snap. Break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I better be yeah, saving man. a child's life if I'm sprinting. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I wanted to share just a quick backstory on how you and I even know each other. And yeah. that's through our, our time. You were, you were working full time with FCA fellowship of Christian athletes. I was just kind of volunteering through a former position. And they say, if you really want to get to know a person, you should spend hours driving around with them in a refrigerator truck. <laughs> and I'm not sure who to attribute that quote to, but I found that to be the case with my friendship with RJ back when we were delivering some of come and go's finest wraps and ham sandwiches to the <laughs> athletic programs all across the Des Moines Metro. So RJ, yep. yeah. First question, be honest. Like how much do you miss the glory of the refrigerator truck days? <laughs> oh man. Sometimes I'm sitting in my car and I just stop and just reflect on just the beauty of driving that refrigerator truck, especially when it was really windy. And I'm like, are we going to tip over? <laughs> yeah. Dicey, dicey drives on the interstate for sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a fun time. Um, it was cool just to be because I went to Roosevelt, so that's one of the metro schools, and mm-hmm. just a really cool and unique way to kind of have inroads with the coaches and those programs and kind of be able to just love on their students in that way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it is really cool to be able to provide things that people need and give them the things that they are missing. So they can be the best that they can be. So they can focus on being great and performing great and not focusing on, oh, man, I didn't eat. My stomach hurts. I don't have any food at home. What am I going to eat for dinner? I don't have any energy to go to practice or the game. So it was really cool to be a part of their lives in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the record, listener, like we tried the 
the food. So it was it was edible. It was like it was yes. you know it wasn't old. The the <laughs> lettuce was wasn't wilted or anything like that. So it was all it was top quality stuff. Um, when I drove, that was my lunch. <laughs> I grabbed exactly, myself exactly. One. That's perfect perk of the job, right? Uh, yeah, good times. Um, so before we get into kind of what you're doing uh, these days with your coaching company, I'd actually like to go back in time to when you were a student athlete. I, uh, in doing my research, kind of happened upon a compelling quote from your LinkedIn page, and it was a description of Summerall coaching. And you wrote mm-hmm. that it says, I was that lost student who teachers, counselors, and coaches wrote off as a good athlete, but just another jock. I had dreams, mm-hmm. but no one took the time to connect motivate or mobilize me to find my inner greatness. And in my sophomore year of high school, I was blessed with an answered prayer, that being wisdom. So I would even, I think it'd be great just to kind of unpack that, like kind of some questions that for me um, are like, what were some of the ways that maybe you felt lost? How did you feel written off by some of your teachers, coaches? Mm-hmm. Like, what were your dreams at that mm-hmm. age? And And kind of like, how did your faith even come into play. I know that's kind of a lot, but yeah. Yeah. So I'll say, uh, since I was five years old, my dream was to go to the NFL and everything I did was to get to that dream. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you are, and I'll say this is for myself or any, you know, athlete, when you are a successful athlete in high school and things on those lines, you know, you get a lot of people saying, Hey, you're going to do this. You're great. You're, you're awesome. But yet, they're not really diving into what are your grades like? What are you going to do after football or your sport is mm-hmm. over? And so I was one of those students. I was a D. I, I would not bring an F. That I, I would get in a lot of trouble bringing home an F. But I did bring some Ds and I got a lot of trouble for that. But I never had anybody tell me that I was smart. I never had anybody tell me that I could do better. Um, I never had anybody show me that the dedication and work that I put in in sports can actually be applied to school as well. And I can, I can succeed on in multiple areas and multiple arenas. Um, and so my grades were just mediocre. They were mediocre, but no one really dove into my life to find out what is it that you want outside of just being a professional athlete? What do I want from the core? Um, no one did, no one dove into my life to ask me, you know, my family upbringing. It was just, we're here to give you this education, do with it what you want. Good luck. I'm here to get a check. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Hmm. Where'd you grow up, RJ? Orlando, Florida. Ah, there it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and looking back on that, like, let's just talk through this quick. What would it have happened? Like, it would just take one person to just take personal interest in you yeah. and start asking some deeper questions to try to figure out what you're passionate about. Because when you're in, when you're in grade school, it's like, Hey, what do you want to do? Well, <laughs> we all want to be professional athletes. It's pretty easy, you know, yeah. but I think it does take somebody who cares deeply to be like, well, let's, you know, like you're smart. Like I see mm. the wheels turning when this, ha- mm. or this happens. And I feel like mm. you're, you serve people, you love people, you're a leader, mm. you know, like all, any mm. of those things are inspiring and then also mm-hmm. cast a vision for the child that maybe they never thought that were the case. Right. Yeah. So maybe answer that question of like, what would ideally you'd like to have seen? You know, I think somebody could just came alongside of me and just really just told me like, Hey, based off of what you are doing now, this is where you're going. Mm. But 
That's good. You have the skill, the ability, the, the, the knowledge to get all of these other things, all these other things you desire. And really just ask me questions like, well, what do you want? Why do you want to get to the NFL? They would have known that, hey, I grew up and I didn't have very much money and I would like to support my family. They would have known that, you know, my biological father um, wasn't too good of a being a, a husband. And so it was yes. me and my mom. They would have known that, hey, at some point in my life, my mom was on food stamps. Um, they would have known those things and they would have been able to speak life and show me the big picture, the big future. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times uh, when you, a lot of black kids that grown up to be either you're going to be an athlete, a musician, a rapper, an mm-hmm. actor, it's all entertainment, but there's so many opportunities out there outside right. of entertainment that right. could allow you to live the dream you desire. And so no one just dove into showing me what was out there, what was possible. Yeah. And And a lot of times that's education. Right. And why you're doing the things that you're doing are important to you in your future. The why to me is, was hard for me because I never really clicked it. Like, well, no, the why is this like, oh, so Mm -hmm. you're telling me I'm actually going to apply this. Mm -hmm. I better pay attention. (laughs) Yeah. Spelling. I'm sorry. What? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. I'm right there with spelling too. I always say spelling is not an, um, a contribution to your intellect. It doesn't reflect yeah. your intellect. Like I suck at spelling. That's what spell check is for, right? <laughs> exactly. They got other yeah. people that do that. That's really yeah. good. Good, Arjun. I want to just touch on that last part of the description uh, that I read that, that you had it said in your sophomore year of high school, you were blessed with an answered prayer, that being mm. wisdom. Can you unpack like what happened uh, yeah. at that point in your life and where that yeah. wisdom came into play? Yeah. You know, so the verse about, you know, Solomon sleeping and God coming to him, he said, what do you want? He doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for any of those things. He asked for wisdom, wisdom. to lead God's people. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted wisdom. I've always been a person who's hungry for knowledge and understanding. And I just like, well, if he did it and God blessed him with all those things, let me get some wisdom. <laughs> I, I think that's what I'm supposed to do is ask for this wisdom. And it's kind of funny. I've, I've, I'm always asking for wisdom. I'm always asking for nuggets to get myself a little bit better at the things that I am trying to accomplish or gaps that I have that I need to fill. I'm always asking for it. But uh, again, I was that student who was the CD student. I was in a program called the WISE program, which was really your kids who were not in regular classes. They were in the lower classes. Um, I was smart enough not to be in those classes. Um, I just didn't do very well in my standard. I can never even say the name of uh, the word standardized testing. Uh, I, I was I am not very good at those at Me all. And you, RJ, come on, buddy. SAT. But I was smart enough and I worked hard enough to get the get work done. And so. Um, I remember my teacher, her name was Miss Scanlon, and I said, hey, I'm smarter than this program I'm in, and I didn't want to go to 10th grade because we had our ninth grade campus off campus, so it was like a ninth grade building, and then we had our 10th, 11th, and 12th in another building, and I knew all of those kids that were in the same program I was in, but they were on the main campus, and those kids were they were bad. When I say mm-hmm. bad, like breaking in or getting arrested every week, drug yeah. dealers, um, gang members. And I'm like, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me at all. So I was like, can I test out of it? And so they let me test out of it. I got out of it. And then I just started getting A's and B's. I started understanding the value of 
getting good grades. And I think that was the wisdom that I was praying for is the value of getting good grades. And so I wound up getting, I graduated with a 3.2 GPA with some college credits and I took some honor classes. And so if you would have seen me from ninth grade and before, you would have never thought that I was smart enough to actually get good grades. And this is crazy. Uh, so my mom didn't tell me this until after I graduated college. She said she called the um, the counselor in ninth grade, the academic counselor, and she said, hey, my son wants to go to the NFL. He needs to get to college. What does he need to do to get there? And I told you guys, I'm not very good at those, you know, standardized testing. Mm -hmm. So my test sucked. <laughs> and the lady told my mom, your son is not smart enough to get into college. Shut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't know that until I was done with college. And so I wish I would have known, like, this yeah, is the petty yeah. I wish uh -huh. I could go up to the lady and say, hey, I got, I got a college degree and I Man. got a, a master's degree and I got a 4.0 in my master's. So uh, you were wrong, yeah. but. Yeah, wow. Wow. I always, I always make fun of like myself. I was like, I don't know if I even spelled my name right on my ACT. Like <laughs> I just failed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I totally relate to that, but it does take somebody who not only took that call. That's like, Hey, I don't want to be that. Right. Yeah. And believing in you. And it seemed like that belief like changed yeah. your trajectory, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I had so, a few teachers like Miss Johnson in 10th grade, oh no, 11th grade. She said, RJ, I'm going to put you in uh, economics college course classes. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and you didn't. That's the best part, right? Right. Oh, that's good. Awesome. Yeah. I, so one of our uncommon pillars that we talk a lot about is worthwhile work. So the idea of pursuing passion in your profession, mm -hmm. in the service to others. And I think nobody embraces the call of worthwhile work more than like entrepreneurs and business owners who mm -hmm. choose to forego that traditional path and really strike mm -hmm. out on their own. And so, as I mentioned before, you know, I, I volunteered with FCA when you were working there full time and, and raising support. And I would love to even just kind of hear you tell us about your journey and transition from FCA to starting your own coaching business. And like, what was the in between? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many years kind of have you been at this? Yeah. So actually, I, I still work for FCA. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Okay. I, I still do that. I didn't do yeah. enough research. <laughs> <laughs> you are good. You are good. But no, um, really, this, this is my journey. So I played ball and that didn't happen. Lost my identity. Um, mm -hmm. I knew that I was supposed to be doing something that involved sports, that involved helping student athletes. And as I was coaching at Urbandale High School for football and track, um, the Lord was just placing on my heart like you should do a Bible study. And I'm like, well, shoot, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> so um, one day I got wisdom, the opportunity. Lord. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and one day I got the opportunity to go speak at an FCA huddle and it was trash. Like the message was good. The deliverer was terrible. <laughs> and so, so, uh, one of the staff members, Dave Applegate, saw me and apparently God must have like guarded him from the stuttering and the forgetting of the message <laughs> in the middle of it. And he told Dave Turnbull, who's the former state director, hey, you should uh, check out this guy. And that was the launch of really my passion and desire to help students. And I didn't I don't want them to build their identity in sports because that only lasts for so long. You should build your identity in Jesus because that lasts for eternity. I also want them to think about, okay, what's going to happen with my life 
after sports. I just found out that the average NFL player's time frame in the NFL is two and a half years. So that's two years and six months. And so it's an experience. It's not a career. And just understanding like, hey, you got a lot of life to live because you're probably, what, 24, 25, 26. You got a lot of life to live. So what are you going to do after that? And so that's I, I always say I'm like an army Swiss knife. Uh, I love helping people. God is, you know, give me the ability to become an executive coach, understand how to do compassionate listening, understand how to, you know, really bring people to the feet of Jesus, which is my that's my greatness or my special gift is I can bring people to the feet of Jesus in a very unique way. And so I'm like, God, how do you craft all this together? <laughs> like you give me all these tools. How do you craft it? And then he just reminded me of the journey I had in the education world and the journey I've had in my sports world. And then looking at all of these kids that have great potential and they're only taught they're only taught that, hey, you can only make it if you are an entertainer. So that's sports, music, TV. But really, there's a lot of people that come from the inner city. There's a lot of people that come from broken homes that if they put when they put value in education, when they put value in, hey, I can actually go out and do this. I'm smart enough. I have greatness in me. They do things beyond their wildest imagination and our wildest imagination. And so my uh, coaching company was really getting to those kids that Maybe a teacher is written off because they're like, that's just a problem child or that child just never, you know, can figure it out. But actually having somebody come in and build a relationship with that kid and just speak life into them, not necessarily tell them like, you got to get this grade, you got to do this, you need to work harder, but letting them see the future that, hey, you can do this. You have the ability, you have the skills. Let me give you some tools. Let me lift you up. You're going to stand on my shoulders. And I'll lift you up. And I and I try to let them understand, like, you were designed for greatness. We just got to find it. So let's go find it. And then let's capitalize on that. And so that's kind of where the, the, the business kind of started. And so I was at a school and I was doing well and everything was going really well. But then something happened. You guys probably, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have felt this. They were like, uh, we don't want to pay you. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. But you want to get right, paid for right. that? Yeah. Oh, no. Right. No, right. We don't, we don't want to pay you. Um, and it was like, well, we'll pay you this much. And it's like, bro, that's like chump change. And I can't do anything with that. <laughs> I got to provide for my family. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so luckily I have, I still work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So it's just like, okay, this, that was more, more of a side hustle. Right. Right essentially. And so I don't have to rely on it, but it's like, bro, you're, I'm spending a lot of time with these kids. I'm spending a lot of time with these kids and it's going to make your school look better. You're actually going to get all the benefits from it. So why not? <laughs> but right. they were like, no. And so I had to do a little, bit, a little bit of a pivot. And I believe that I'm still in that pivot right now where summer all coaching, I, I've written the book season ending, and that's that's for transitioning uh, athletes, transitioning from current athlete to former athlete. And I've also done a few executive coaching with, um, uh, 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 I can't speak, with a guy who's a CEO of a company in Puerto Rico, with a sales director who's in Las Vegas that I have had a relationship with, and with uh, a couple of college and professional athletes, and really just helping them get rid of all the muck that's stopping them from their greatness. And then how to get the fun and joy back. But then also, how do I 
run my business in a way where it's not draining me. And so like, I got a guy who's doing a business for one year now and um, he's struggling. He's struggling right now. And what I told him, I was like, well, you're doing way too much. <laughs> you're trying to do this, 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 and this. And I'm one that I refer books. So I'm like, you need to listen to the one thing. I, I don't read books anymore because I don't have any time. So I listen to them. <laughs> so I was like, you need to listen to the, to, the, to the one thing. And really what it does is it narrow down your priorities to one thing you can do that's going to get you to the next level. And just helping um, entrepreneurs understand and business people understand um, there's a way out. There's a journey. There's wisdom. And so right. I, don't, I don't really know the, the whole pivot. I already know where God's taking it all, but I know he's doing something. <laughs> right. Right. A lot of people start businesses and they end up imprisoning themselves with the business yes. that they just created. And so yes. I, I see that a lot, man. And so I think that's encouraging that you're speaking into that and like, how can you help these people? Cause they do need help. Like sometimes you yes. just need to get pulled out and kind of see, there's a good book called the E-Myth Principle. Mm -hmm, e -Myth mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of talks about that. It's a pie maker. And then yeah. she ends up loving making pies. Well, her business is successful, but she has to be in the kitchen making pies. Like yeah. she entraps herself in that prison. So, mm. and it's, it's cool. And it's awesome just to see how God has shaped it and molded you and taking you where you're at now. And I yeah. love the wisdom of just like, I'm not sure where God's taking me next, but I'm ready to go. You know, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm his tool and I'm his resources. And yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. And the thing is, he's given me a lot of tools and I'm like, God, how are you going to do this? Cause mm -hmm. I could, I could coach um, former athletes. I can coach CEOs. I can coach coaches. I can coach current athletes. It's like, bro, you need to narrow this down. <laughs> <laughs> niche, yeah, niche yeah. yeah, that's true. That's good. It'd be one of the hardest things to do. I just want right. to help everybody. <laughs> I, that is my problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you're perceived as like a specialist, then I think, you know, you can, God and others can start bringing like the the right people that like truly need your help in that season of life. So yeah. Hi, Ryan here, taking a quick break from the episode to share an exciting announcement. Early bird registration for the fraternity is now open till May 31st. If you would like to learn more and apply, visit theuncommon.com/membership. When you apply, you'll fill out a brief survey and schedule an onboarding call with yours truly. After the call, if we both feel like the fraternity is a good fit for you, you'll be emailed a registration link where you can sign up for just $29 a month. Once you pay, you're in. So you'll have access to our exclusive online community, including our weekly men's calls and challenges, a library of uncommon resources, our flagship course, and also an invitation to attend our monthly in-person get-togethers if you live in the greater Des Moines area. Think about it. For less than a dollar a day, you can invest in yourself and start designing your compelling future. Again, this early bird offer lasts only till May 31st, so apply today and take that next step on your uncommon journey. Kind of kind of switching gears from the the coaching in in your tagline, it just talks about how to like bring out greatness in mm -hmm. in students and athletes and as individuals and kind of switching gears like I'm I'm curious how you would define greatness like yes. in your life as a man, as a father, as yes. a husband. Yeah. Yeah. So my first thing when I think about greatness, I say, what would you do for free? And it brings you joy. What would you do for free? And it brings you joy. I would help anybody. And it brings me joy. I want to see people excel at the things that they are uniquely designed to do. And so identifying what that thing is, 
which means you got to do a lot of self-discovery because I always tell people God has left the breadcrumbs in your past. And you just got to be able to put it all together and, and make that cake or pie or whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> make it and then you can be great at it. But it's a lot of self-reflecting. So that's kind of how I help people identify what their greatness is. And and God will reveal it as you are patient and allow him to make those moves. You can't rush that process. Um, and then once you figure it out, it's OK, what do I need to put in place to excel at those things? And so when you talk about like my family and my my me being a husband, me being a father, me being a community leader, things on those lines, really, essentially, my whole goal is I understand my greatness is to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And so everything I do is so that when you see me you or you hear about me, you think about Jesus. So if that means you think about me being a husband, you're going to think about how Jesus was with the church. That means you think about being a father. You're going to think about God as a father and a good father. Uh, when you think about me being a community leader, you're going to think about what Jesus did in the community. And so my whole entire MO of the way that I live my life, the way I interact with people is I don't want you to see RJ. I want you to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's good. What could be a better mission than that? It, it reminds me of uh, John the Baptist. And he said, like, I must decrease and he must increase. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, for us as as men and followers of Christ, like that should be our, our mindset and everything that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of family and like fatherhood. So you mentioned, yeah, you're married to love mm-hmm. your, your your life. Her name's yes. Steph, right? Your wife? That's right. That's right. Yep. And then you guys have four awesome, crazy kids. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we we talk a lot about just like relationships and and especially like in marriage and parenting. And I would love even just to hear from you, like what is something that you're celebrating in your marriage and celebrating as a dad? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what am I celebrating? Oh, that's a good one, man. Like, I got to think on that one. I got to process that one right there. Well, I would say you know the I think the average length of a of a marriage is I think they said seven years. Or so along those lines. So me and my wife will be celebrating 13 years this year in August. And we have friends right now who are struggling in their marriages and we look at each other and we're just overjoyed that we we like each other. We like hanging out with each other. We like, you know, going in. We, we do dates like we'll do date night or date lunch. And we're just we're friends. We really are friends. Um, we're teammates, you know, we look at our kids and we're like, okay, we got, we got to do this tag team. (laughs) Let's go. And so we just, I would say as a highlight or celebration of my marriage is that we enjoy each other. We like each other. We want to help each other. Um, and even me and my wife, both, we're both currently in the same, um, leadership development in our careers. Uh, she's bringing on staff. I'm bringing on staff. So we're learning different things and we're bouncing ideas off each other on how we can be great at what we're doing as leaders. And it's just really cool to have somebody in your corner that wants to support you and want to see the best, want to see you be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. And it's not about them. I want you to quick speak to this because I feel like people who have a lot like great marriage thinks that like my wife hasn't changed. That's not true. Uh And I've changed. Right. Right. And like, I've heard the statistic that you'll marry three people in your life 
Uh, you choose if they're going to be different people. You know, like I've chosen to be like, no, that's my wife. Like, and she's yeah. changing and evolving. So, how is your marriage different now than when you first got married? And how is it? Yeah. And you know, a good marriage is like, no, it's even better now than it ever has been. Yeah. But my wife is a different person. I'm a yeah. different person. Does that make yeah. sense? And so, yeah. how is your marriage different than when it started? Oh man, I and I and I believe as and if there's any women in here that's listening to it, please don't take it wrong. But I, I believe that the the man is the leader of the home, and to me, what that um, what that means is that I'm looking ahead, setting the path, but not for me, for my wife to be the great flower that she is, for my children to be the great kids that they are, and really understanding who God has created them to be. So I, it's really weird. I watch them. <laughs> I'm trying to learn what their ticks are. And I understand that my wife is changing, you know, having four kids, having three boys and a daughter, which is the baby, you know, she's rising in her career. She, you know, has friends that's outside of work. And there's things that she desires of me to be able to take on and just understanding you know, who she is and how she's changed. And so it's really the, re our, our marriage has changed because I have changed into more of a servant, mm -hmm. more of a right. person who says, okay, it's not about me right. pulling and pushing. It's about me lifting. So I need yeah. to lift. Right. And that means sometimes I have to sacrifice, Right. but I understand them. I set the tone of my home. So if I'm grumpy, my house is grumpy. If I'm happy, my house is happy. If I'm mad, my house is mad. <laughs> so I set the tone of the climate of my house. Right. And take responsibility for that. Right. And I think a yes. lot of people who get frustrated about like, oh, you can't lead the family. Like that's, that's totally bigot. Like you can't sex. Yeah. Whatever. No, that's no. My number one job is to serve. Like, mm -hmm. like Jesus did, like he led us by serving well. And our yes. job is to not only take responsibility for things when they go wrong, mm -hmm. but also lead, feed, care, and protect. And right. like, I need to take responsibility for that and pour into my family, serve my wife. And like, if right. you're following a man that serves you, you're okay with taking that leadership from them. You know, like, so right. it's kind of diffuses everything like, oh, well, I guess if my husband yeah. would serve me, I guess I would be fine with letting him lead, you know? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. When I think a lot of people, they, they, don't, we don't know what leadership is. Right. You know, we think leadership is a tyrant. You know, I tell right. people what to do and they listen to me and, and I have the final say. And, you know, sometimes you got to know when to step in the front. Sometimes you got to know when to step in the back. You got to know when to lead, when to follow, when to make suggestions, yep. when to fix, when to right. be quiet. I'm right. still learning that one, when to fix right. and when to be quiet. Right. 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 <laughs> but, um, but I, I, we also, uh, when we got married, the uh, person who officiated our wedding, he made us read the book, The Five Love Languages, and then That's do the one. test. And yep. so when I feel like something is changing, I actually have both of us do it again, mm. just to understand how can I fill up her love tank? Um, also, you know, I, I buy her random flowers, just random. And I, we, it's funny, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. And not because we are like, no, Valentine's Day is terrible. It's expensive. It, it's expensive. <laughs> Well, <laughs> when we had our first child, we used to go to Olive Garden and when we had our first child. We had no babysitters. <laughs> and so we picked up Olive Garden and went home and ate it. And we're like, this is way better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now when that's you're, how we when you're eating Olive Garden at home, you're really family. That's right. <laughs> so now we have four kids. And so we all celebrate with some, you know, now it's Thai food. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
What's but, your what's your joint of choice? Oh dear. Uh, you know, we love pad thai. We love it. And, yeah. and it's a uh, Siam table. My my wife, she loves cool basil. Like that's yep. I know that's the place, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I went to a meeting with uh, one of my donors for FCA and I told her, I said, Hey, the kids didn't have school. And I was like, Steph, um, I have a meeting. The kids don't have school. Um, we're going to cool basil. I'll bring you something back if you let me keep this meeting. <laughs> She's like, okay, yeah, you can go. That, yeah. <laughs> Smart. Dude, Bargain. No, no Bargain. joke, 40% of my Tupperware at home is from Cool Basil. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I love asking this question when we're on when we're talking to people about their marriage, especially like go-getters, people who are creating, people who have families mm-hmm. um, and just are like casting vision. But if you and Steph were sitting on your porch or like your back deck 20 years from now, and you guys are reflecting back on like the past couple of decades of marriage and family and, and careers. Like, what do you hope that you guys are celebrating at that time? Oh man, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, hoping that our kids, one of the big things we pray about is that our kids are Christian leaders mm-hmm. uh, in their community and not necessarily saying they're all going to be pastors and leading everything, but that they are, they are ones that people know that they love Jesus and that they are, they have integrity. And they're not going to, you know, blast you over the head with the Bible, but you know that, hey, this person is legit about their faith and they walk it, they talk it. Yeah, they might slip up, but they are committed to it. And so that's that's my goal is that or that's my hope for as we're reflecting is that one, our kids are Christian leaders in their community. And that also means their home and their spouses. I'm always praying for my kids' spouses. My kids are 10, 6, 6, and 3. And I'm like, Lord, please let my my kids' spouses, you know, grow yeah. up in a Christian home and they look, they know who they are and whose they are before they meet my children and, and vice versa. Um, also, you know, just a plethora of grandkids. Um, <laughs> I think that'd be really cool just to kind of see, you know, I always say, say this to my wife, man, I can't wait until our kids are older and they have all their kids and we can just sit back and just enjoy the bliss of actually being grandparents and seeing the joy of our of our family and how God used us to continue to um, populate the earth. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, and just being able to just, you know, not stress over life, you know, look at all the hard work we've put, you know, in our careers, in our children, in our marriage, and seeing that be fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that I have two boys of my own and like grandparents will come visit and you know the tendency is to spoil them it's like well they get to go home like do you see yourself as that type of granddad is going to come and it's like oh yeah i'm i'm not, i'm going to answer that for you yes we will yes 100 i'm bringing i'm not bringing suckers i'm bringing buckets of sugar ice cream and syrup and yep. espressos we're doing it all oh, man. did you give them a bath yeah i just fill up the kiddie pool with chocolate syrup and candy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. ryan we're your worst uh, nightmares can't wait can't wait oh my kids are going to get tortured because they are torturing me so so it's paid. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. What else you got? Man, no, I, I think I'm I got encouraged. one more. All right. Yeah. Give it to him. But I wanted to give you a chance. No, I'm just encouraged <laughs> about, you know, your path. And I've always been drawn to you. We've talked before, you know. And, yeah. Um, it's well, one we go to people, the same church. Yeah, we go to the same church. It's fun to it's fun <laughs> when you meet a leader and you can speak to this, but you know leaders in the room. Like you walk mm-hmm. into a room and you just know the leaders. I feel like you and I always have this mm-hmm. kind of understanding. Like I can look at you across the way yeah. and just be like, hey, yeah. Yeah. yep. Yeah. <laughs> Doing okay. Yeah. So yep. I always I always encourage that. I always enjoy that. And I, yeah. I just want to encourage you on the path that you're going. 
yeah. I'm excited to see where God takes you. Obviously, yeah. you know, all of the breadcrumbs that you talked about are leading up to this uh, mm-hmm. for you. And so I'll, I'll keep praying for you to give you wisdom and discernment on that. But like you said, like, I love just give me wisdom to lead God, God's people well. And yeah, and you're doing that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Trying to, trying to. What really, you know, you say you're in a room, you can see leaders. Um, once sometimes I try not to be the leader. Right. right. <laughs> I just I want to sit back. No, like, don't ask me any questions. I'm just gonna be quiet. I don't want to, I don't want to lead today. Yep. <laughs> My wife's like, why don't you step up? I'm like, I don't want to. I'm tired. <laughs> lead everything. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, and I think a quality of a, a leader is like waiting until you're called upon sometimes and not Absolutely. always feeling like you've got to be the point person. Um, and just knowing like there might be someone in the room who's smarter than me in this area yeah. and I'm going to like submit to their authority and everybody's yeah. going to be better off because of it. Um, yeah, I'd say, I just curious. So obviously like hearing your story and everything that's going on, you're obviously very super busy. And I know a lot of times as men, like we're tempted to kind of wear busyness as a badge and mm-hmm. we brag about how little we sleep and someone's like, mm-hmm. how's your weekend? You're just like, Oh, busy. Mm-hmm. But that, that shouldn't necessarily be the goal. We want to be like involved in important things, of course. Yeah. But I'm just curious, like, what are you do on a regular basis to recharge and make sure that you're staying healthy, like physically, mentally, emotionally, yeah. spiritually, just so you can continue to show yeah. up best in, in the things that God's called you to? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I have seven core values. And three of them, I always say they are crystal balls. They do not go out of order. I will not drop them because if I do, my whole world would fall into pieces. Number one is my faith in God. Number two is my wife. Number three is my children. They stay in that order. They don't move. And I always say the reason they're there is because what's going to leave me last? God does not leave. He's eternal. My wife, you know, we're going to stay together until one of us die. Hopefully I died at 100, you know, holding hands together. And then my kids are going to leave at 18 you know, going off to college and they're going to start their own life. So I have that. But then I have my other four core values, which I change those on a regular basis. And it's my health. It's my finances. It's my career. And it's my relationships with people. And so I change them based off of, hey, I've slipped or I've fallen on this. I need to move it back into a higher priority so I can focus more on it. And one of the things is my uh, health. That's number four. It was number seven. And then I had to get it back to number four. And so I don't like working out. I'm just going to be honest. I do not like the gym. When I go to the gym and I see a ton of people, I will actually turn around and walk out and get my car and go home. (laughs) So I don't, I don't want to be around a ton of people when I'm working out. And it's not because I'm trying to get after it or grunt and all that. I just don't really want to do it. (laughs) So it gives me an excuse to turn around. So, um, my goal, so I have two goals. I have to meet with my doctor in six weeks. And my goal is that I'm going to show her that I'm going to lose 25 pounds in six weeks. So as of right now, I'm on that journey. So I told myself, you know, it's not about discipline because discipline is extremely hard to have and, and it's very, and it's very taxing, but it's about choices. So what choice am I going to make? Am I going to make the choice to eat this unhealthy breakfast or make a shake? Am I going to have the choice to eat this unhealthy, you know, lunch or eat a salad? And so on and so forth. So just making those choices. And my reward is that, hey, I just made another healthy choice. I just made another healthy choice. Now let's make that a habit instead of being disciplined. Let's just continue to make the right choice because we're we're trying to set a goal. 
And so I got 25 pounds to go and five pounds down. And I'm like, okay, I can't mess up now because now, this morning I was like, man, I want some eggs and all this. I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't have to shake. <laughs> we on the plan. And then another piece is uh, I picked up the habit or the uh, workout of, I don't know if you guys have heard of rucking is R-U-C-K-I-N-G where you have the 30 pound backpack. And I'm using this. So once it gets warm, I'm going to use this as part of my ministry where I'm going to take these big time Iowa State athletes and say, hey, you want to go rucking? And I need to be in shape. <laughs> so I've been, you know, wearing the backpack, walking five miles. So when I take them, they're going to be dead tired. And then we can actually have some really good conversation while we're going through that. And at the end of the day, my goal is to point them to Jesus, but yeah. also building that relationship. And so I feel yeah. like rucking would be a great place to do that. So that's my health plan. That's my physical, physical plan uh, for when it comes to mental uh, for mental. It, it's really spiritual for me and not spiritual as in cosmos or universe, but spiritual as in Jesus, Holy Spirit in the father. <laughs> so, and so it's I'm in my word. I'm diving in my word. I know that when I'm in my word on a regular basis and I'm trying to read the Bible in one year, this is my third time doing this one, this uh, challenge. And it's a gauntlet of challenge. My life just seems better. Mm. <laughs> things just they even in the hard times, my life just seems better. Right. And that's just because, you know, he gives you joy and he has a plan and, you know, he won. And so that is my spiritual um, health, mental just trust God, let him do what he's going to do, and he's going to get it done. And so putting all my concerns, all my desires, all my worries, all on him, <laughs> saying, okay, God, what you going to do? <laughs> I'm ready to see you move. Uh, so that's 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 that part. And then when it comes to the just emotional health, um, I've found that I was one of those. I love waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm one of those weird ones. I like doing it. I like waking up that early because you know, for the first hour, I'm reading and writing my prayers. I'm reading the Bible and writing my prayers. In the last hour, I'm either praying or doing some extra work or going back to sleep. <laughs> but lately, I just turned 37 in February and my body's like, hey, bro, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> like, you can't do that no more. So it really woke me up actually on Tuesday because I had two nights where I went to bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, woke up at four. Wednesday was not a good day for your boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. not happy. <laughs> so I was like, I am going to go to sleep and not wake up at four anymore, even though it, I'm not happy about it. But I know that if I'm not tired, I'm not short tempered with right. people, especially right. little people that run around my house. Mm -hmm. And so I can love on them better. I can love on my wife better. I can do better work if I'm rested and ready for the day. So. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's funny. So rucking, I just want to quick, uh -huh. I want to cast a vision for you. So I took uh, eight guys uh, out. We hung out. we did rucking 30 pounds on our back and uh, they thought we were going to go rucksacking and we ended up doing a high ropes course with our Ooh. backpacks on. Oh, Far, Farley, uh, uh, way underestimated <laughs> like, how, a parachute? How, how heavy <laughs> it was. And it was actually a really good analogy. Like sometimes you just need some people to help you. Like here's my mm -hmm. backpack, man. And so it ended up being really good, but way underestimated how <laughs> heavy 30 pounds are when you're trying Ooh. to schlep across the high ropes course. But that could be something that I could cast your vision a little bit. If you do it, 
yeah. some of those guys on a high ropes course, it would be. Oh, yeah. I love high ropes courses, but I've never done it with a backpack. Oh, man. <laughs> Another level. Another level. You look at that obstacle I, like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't know if I'm on your level, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if I was either. And I was just like, oh, this will be great. You know, like in your head, you have some vision out and you're like, this is actually a nightmare, but awesome at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, RJ, this has been great. We really appreciate you coming on and just sharing about your uncommon journey and yeah. the work that God's called you to. And yeah, no uh, problem. We'll definitely include links to uh, your site and, and the book as yeah. well. But wanted to give you a chance. Is there any kind of last word of encouragement you want to share with with listeners before we sign off? You know, I, I would just tell you guys as you are going through your journey, give it to the Lord, but understand that you have to plan, you have to plant, you have to do the work, you have to plow. God will bring the rain and he determines the growth. Mm -hmm. So trust him, but stay diligent in your work and trust the process and just keep your head down and grind. Love it. It's good. That's a good way to set off on that. that. That's beautiful. (laughs) Mic drop. Good. Thanks, RJ. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks. You're welcome. And thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And good luck to all the things you guys are doing. God bless. You too, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.